Welcome to the Warner Brothers Podcast. I'm Kyle, joined by my brother Keenan. Keenan, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's weird that it's already the 29th, almost the 30th now. It's it's the year flew by. The year did kind of fly, especially the last quarter of the year. You know, like once once you get past the summer into that fall, winter, you know, September through December range, I feel like that flies by within like the equivalent of two weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the it moment just goes football so starts. Fast. It just goes from there. Honestly. And uh, I feel not that the beginning part goes by like super slow or anything, but I feel at least January through August feels like it takes some time at least. And then, yeah, September to the end of the year just flies, especially once you get to the holidays. But uh, yeah, unbelievable that we're, you know, at December 30th here in about under an hour. And speaking of, did you have a good holiday? My holiday was was great. It was low key, low key, but uh, you know, definitely different without you know the whole entire family. But I mean, it was cool. Yeah. It was cool. It was definitely different, but it was low key. And honestly, even Christmas Day, like with like we just did little compared to what we normally do. Yeah. As far as family events, um. I was exhausted Christmas Day, like which usually happens. I usually find myself not even really able to enjoy the Christmas basketball games because I'm usually just exhausted, whether it be from a food coma or just, you know, the Christmas festivities in general. And sure enough, that happened again this year. I fell asleep smack dab in the middle of the Celtics and Bucks game. Uh, wasn't able to really watch much of the two early games. But I did. I was able to catch the evening games, which was great. But uh, you can book it each Christmas Day that I'm gonna miss some segment of the games due to a nap. Yeah. So, but not nah, holidays was cool. How was your holiday? Mine was good. Uh, also, I would say I really was just indoors. I watched football and basketball. It was kind of it was weird. It's weird because a few years back, they obviously started the Christmas Day games for football. Sometimes it landed on it and they'd have one or two, but like it wasn't a traditional every year thing. And now the NFL is starting to take over Christmas Day from the NBA. Um, so it was weird because I found myself, I watched some NBA, but I watched almost more NFL than I did NBA, which is weird because it's the first year I've ever done that. And the games weren't even great. I don't, I don't. I just found myself my Green Bay, Miami. I watched the most of that game. Like you, I did fall asleep during the Rams, Broncos, which was the same time as Bucks, Celtics, and then the ending half of um, Lakers, Mavs. And then I did find myself watching some of the Warriors, Grizzlies, some of, and I watched most of Denver. And Phoenix, while I watch um, pretty much all of the Bucks Cardinals game. Yeah, interesting choice to uh, to watch the Christmas Day slate of the NFL, especially the the, the latter two games. Yeah, the uh, first not- one was solid. The I mean, really, I slept through the second one. The second one, I just was shocked when I woke up at halftime and it was thirty-one to three, and I was like, "Oh, okay." So <laughs> the Rams are. And then the last game, I kind of went through back and forth both. I kept tabs on the Warriors, Grizzlies, and Arizona. And then how it worked out was like the end of the Bucks game was like right the beginning of the Suns, 
Nuggets. And then I really watched like the entirety of the second half in overtime, which was a bit, which was probably the best game of the entire uh, weekend uh, Christmas Day slate. Likewise, yeah, I I caught a good amount of the second half of the Bucks Cardinals. Um, not a great, not a great game at all, but uh, was lucky enough to really watch the majority of. A Denver and the Suns, and then also that Warriors Grizzlies game. Um, yeah. Granted, like you said, the best game of the day definitely was Nuggets Suns. That was that was great to watch. Jokic put on another masterclass. Aaron Gordon had uh, a very good game as well. Yeah, caught a body, unbelievable dunk that night too. Yeah, he, uh, he was punching all night. Yeah, I think he had twenty eight and sixteen to end the day. He was. Aaron, if that's the Aaron Gordon that the Nuggets can get, that could be that third piece that they need to go on with Jamal Murray and Yoke. It's obviously with Porter Jr. being giving his contributions too. But he need, if he can keep him playing like that, because he's actually been playing pretty well this season, that could be the, their little missing piece that they've needed for the last couple of years. Yeah, he's definitely produced more this season. It's more than, than just in, a dunker. Than in years prior with the Nuggets, you know? Yeah. He's definitely become more the all-around player I think they were looking for. Yep. Because he's kind of a tweener, you know, him being like 6'9", athletic, not really a post defender, not really a perimeter defender, but athletic enough to be both. Yeah. Not really a terrific rebounder, but has the tools to be a terrific rebounder kind of thing. And he's just doing it all. And, uh, you know, it's easy when you have a player like Jokic who can, you know, the universe kind of revolves around him, but at the same time, he doesn't need the ball for everyone else to succeed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, no, the Nuggets, who lost last night to the Kings uh, in a great game. Nuggets have been one of my favorite watches for the NBA so far this year. Um, you know, as I was saying, how you can kind of just throw whoever around Jokic and be okay. Yes. I mean, they... You almost don't even with Jokic. You don't need a one, two, three kind of pecking order. You almost like if you and they do. They got like ten strong. You know what I mean? They get contributions from Jeff Green, Bones, who's had a rough couple weeks coming back from injury, but starting to pick it back up as far yeah. as last night goes. Uh, Caldwell Pope. I feel like they're one guy short. Whether it's I feel like they're a a perimeter defender short. Like they yeah, just need they one need more the three and D kind of guy. That they would be perfect. Obviously, just to space the floor, especially because you don't want a guy to clog up the middle when you have Jokic, but a guy who can put on their pretty much the best defense, our best offensive player, and just say go. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean they have that in space. It's like I said, you know, you got Caldwell Pope. Mm-hmm. I mean they're not the best team defensively, but they have the tools to be. You know what I mean? It's defense at the end of the day is all about effort. But I mean they're certainly the most intriguing team to me in the West with all that they have, uh, you know, given how wide open this Western conference is, like wide open. So, if you told me Denver was going to come out, I'd believe you. If you told me uh, Memphis was going to come out, I'd believe you. And if you told me, you know, Golden State got their shit together or maybe made a move here or there, I'd believe you if they came out the West. But right now... They've been, they've been playing better as of late, so they look like they're going to be able to stay afloat. Because I, I was going to say, I think they were winning tonight. I know they won the other night. Because if they can stay around 500 when Steph comes back in like 
two or three weeks, they'll definitely be in a position to make a run at the like and at a top four seed. And from there, obviously, you know how it goes. Sure, sure. And uh, you know, my confidence in Golden State isn't great. I would definitely take the top. <laughs> yeah, the, I would definitely take the especially on the defensive end. Offense, you don't really worry about them because Steph has mm-hmm. so much firepower, and they can kind of get it. From other people because oh, of the attention Steph draws, you know, like the best, like one of the top five, top six offenses in the league with Steph on the floor this year. So obviously in the playoffs, if he's going to be playing thirty-eight minutes, you're going to be okay. It's really, yeah. can you get that defense at least to top fifteen level? And if you can't yeah, get which, that defense, you're not going to win it. That's pretty much that simple. And I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think their defense is ever really going to get to uh, even a league average level. But their starting five, I think, is statistically like the best starting five in the league when they're all together, when they're all healthy. Yeah. So, which like is, you said, which I think shows it, like greatness of Steph because obviously without Steph, that's not a thing. Right. So, like, I think if they can get to a top six seed, which they should be able to, if they can get to the top six, and maybe I'm a they got to make a move somewhere. Uh, I don't think it'll be. I think they'll end up keeping Wiseman. I don't know what the move is. But if he keeps it, it playing be, the way he does, it might be Moody. Moody's been playing pretty well as of the last few. Uh, and it could even it could even be someone off the buyout market that they get, you know, after the trade deadline. But I think if they can at least get to a top six and find yourself with someone favorable in that first round matchup, you know, then it's anyone's ball game because yeah. you know, and like you said, you're playing, you're starting five the majority of the minutes. Then even if you can get two or three, two and a half nights out of clay, that might be all you need. You know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. you know, it all depends on who their first-round matchup is. Uh, who's at the three right now after Denver and, uh, uh, and Memphis? Right now it would be – it's actually – New Orleans is Must actually Phoenix, overtaking right? the – New Orleans is actually overtaking the number one. Denver's oh. two. Uh, Memphis is three. El- the Clippers are four. Dallas is five. Phoenix, six. Then Sacramento, Portland, Utah, and the Warriors rounded out. So that's your top yeah, so, ten right now. So if you're the Warriors, you definitely want to see someone like the Mavericks the first round, even despite Luka's literal once-in-a-lifetime performance the other night. Or, uh, you know, the Pelicans would be tough, too. They're incredibly deep. I think they're a sleeper. But, I mean, that's one you might want to catch. The Clippers yeah. you might want to catch, even though they're – pretty deep as well it all depends you know no no one's sure i think like i said i think denver and memphis are the safest bets but you would want to if you're the golden state in round one just like because we're talking just about them in this you would probably want to see as you said dallas or the pelicans the pelicans not because they can't beat them it's just because you have you go in with the playoff pedigree you go in with the know-how you obviously have Zion, who would be his first playoffs. Brandon Ingram and all of them, they just were in one. C.J. McCollum, some, the one guy who's going to be battle-tested there, who's been to a conference finals, played against this Warriors team a few times. But that you would get, you would have be more favorable in the experience matchup with someone like the Nuggets or the Grizzlies who have been to the playoffs, the Grizzlies each of the last two years, the Nuggets obviously the last four or five. They have a lot of yeah. playoff experience to put on the fact that they have just better rosters at the moment. And let me be clear about the Pelicans. I think, yes, they're young. Oh, they can play. Yes, they, they can. And they, yeah. 
not only are they can they play, but they got yeah they got playoff experience too. I mean, you got to figure they got Valanciunas and all their young guys yeah. besides Zion really have been at least in the first round. Yeah, uh, a physical, true playoff series too with Phoenix last year. Like they pushed Phoenix. Yeah, they went six with them, and they took a Chris Paul masterpiece to beat them in Game Six. Right, and uh, so they're built for it. I mean, that's not necessarily. I'd want to see Dallas more than I would want to see the Pelicans. The Pelicans oh, 100%, 100%. have hundred percent. Where the Warriors got experience, the Pelicans have do have a ton of talent. And the but, thing with the and the thing with the Pelicans is they're big, and that seems to be a thing that would beat the Warriors is just because they don't have all the size in the world, and Valanciunas would be a problem. Zion's obviously big and efficient, even though Brandon Ingram's still six nine. Like Wiggins matches up with him well, but he's still a monster himself. Now the Pelicans team, they're deep. They're good. They're very good. They're they're a scary team. They're a team that is a sleeper to get to the finals. So they they could definitely put it all together. As long as you have a healthy Zion, they could put it together. Yeah, it would be crazy to see a 3-6 matchup. Let's say Golden State gets the 6. If it was a 3-6, them versus Phoenix Suns first round, that would be I would, overqualified for the first round, and it would be... I mean, you got to give the Warriors a chance, but... Oh, absolutely, because that's team, that's team basketball versus team basketball, and... The last couple times they've played, obviously, I mean, Clay did get thrown out of that one game. They're in the same division, which doesn't, it's not like it's the NFL, so that kind of doesn't matter. They just see them four times a year. They mm. would, it would be, not that they hate each other, but obviously, like, Chris Paul and Steph have a little bit of, like, a natural competitive rivalry just because they've had to go against each other so many times, and, and Steph's gotten the better of Chris Paul for the most part. It's... It would be like a little bit of bad blood there, which I would love. And if you did that and say Golden State was just one just for the sake of my conversation here and played Memphis, the that would be such a just a fun thing to see just because the teams are kind of starting to get a little bit of bad blood with the Warriors. Not a much, but like just in like a little bit. Oh, I disagree. I think those two teams have a healthy dislike for each other, which I love. Uh, it felt... I don't want to say it felt like the old days because that feels that would like date me, but it's true. It no, does it's, feel it, like the it, old it, days. It feel, you could say it feels like the 2000s. Like, Even when, like the 2000, early 2010s, or yeah, you, you're yeah, right. Late, say, late 2000s for sure was probably the last time we really saw uh, two teams. I mean, you could say maybe Miami and the Pacers. Boston. I'd say Miami. Boston, yeah. Miami, 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 Boston, Miami sure. Boston was probably the last time you saw it because even like the Warriors Cavs, the Warriors Cavs, they just had like ultimate respect for each other they yeah. was never would, yeah i would actually you know what i would say the warriors Cavs were the closest we've seen too because i mean they did there was a time up until the last few years where lebron really had some sort of disdain for steph you know what i mean i don't know what it was i think he didn't think, really like Steph creeping up on his corner well but i mean the thing with kd like kd KD oh, like, was almost there level-wise with LeBron playing, but he was never off. The, once you got off the court, KD wasn't LeBron. He wasn't close. Steph became, and still is to an extent, like became close to LeBron. Like, pe- like almost, uh, People would argue at that time he was the face. No one ever said that KD was the face, especially they won the championship. They go on that 73-9. and nine. Everybody can't stop talking about Steph. It's like, wait a minute. This no, this is my league still, and this is not just like a any like this LeBron. This is peak prime LeBron. He's like no, this is still my league. 
I'm pissed off about this. Like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go show you. And then obviously they went down three one, and LeBron put together one of the greatest three game stretches we've ever seen. Yeah, LeBron definitely got some Regina George to him during that time. And, but uh, <laughs> and you can't—I I mean, can't even really blame him. He was a guy who, I mean, for half a decade, he wasn't touched as that guy. Like we knew he was like once he won his first championship, he was like we knew he was just that guy, and no one could really touch him, regardless of yeah. like there being players who could play with on his level. Just no one could like touch him. And then Steph actually was like, "Hey, I, this might be my seat." And then LeBron was like, "No." This is not your scene. This is still the king's throne here. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if he ever was challenged for maybe like the face of the league as much as he was the face, but Steph was certainly the darling at that time. Oh, like Steph, face where, no, where Luka, most popular, I should say. Where, absolutely. Where Luca is right now, where Luca can do no wrong, that's where Steph was in 2016. And now when Kevin was, Durant got there in 17, all that kind of yeah. went out the window. And it almost but, was like even worse than what Luca's is now. Like Steph literally could do... I also think with Steph, it was too being the smaller guy being obviously more not relatable the more those are they being the most relatable guy and this obviously doesn't fully factor in but it did with some people like your common person he was just such a good family guy like you just you just saw him like with his kids and with obviously aisha was kind of in the limelight starting to become too so you're just all over you just saw it's like wow there is nothing wrong with this guy Plus, he can play basketball very well, and he does all the fundamentals and plays the game the right way, quote-unquote. The ball doesn't stick with it. Like, everything about Steph just made it so it was like, he is the guy you want your kids to look up to, the way he went about yeah. everything. Not that LeBron isn't, because LeBron's a, been a model citizen in the league since he stepped in at 18, which is crazy because he's had more fame pretty much than anybody to ever hop in the league, other, probably other than Jordan. And yeah, they yeah how you handle things at eighteen is crazy. But go on. It's certainly the most hype. But yeah, uh, you know, back to the Grizz- back to the Grizzlies and Warriors. I truly hope. No, yeah, they, they have disdain. They have disdain. Yeah. Yeah, I truly hope they face each other in the playoffs. I I'd assume they got a couple more matchups. That was their first matchup of the year, correct? Yeah, Christmas and, uh, was their first one. So you know, hopefully. Nobody sits. Hopefully, steps back for the next one. That would be great because, yeah, I mean, you could tell how much it meant to the Warriors. They were celebrating after the game, much like it was a closeout game in the playoffs, which you you don't see the Warriors celebrate like that. that It's one thing to get up. It's one thing to get up for a game like that. I think everyone does on certain national TV games like that, especially when it's you know a measuring stick game, Mm -hmm. but. Clay, Draymond, you know, the way they were celebrating, uh, that that definitely caught my attention. And I agree. I think they do kind of pull it together here down the stretch or, you know, we're at the, not the midway point, but we're really getting to the heart of the NBA season here in January. Dog days of January. Oh, my goodness. Um, Sorry. I just, I just looked, because I was looking just to see when the Warriors play them. They play them twice in like 11 days. But the Warriors have a schedule that goes Clippers, Pelicans, Lakers, Thunder, Grizzlies, Bucks, Suns, Clippers, Hawks, Grizzlies. That's that, a is a, that is a tough 10-game stretch. <laughs> and that's in March. So like that's when they're going to need to win games. They have a 10-game stretch where if they went 3-7, and seven, it wouldn't even like be that baffling. They've got at least four, five games probably six games that'll be nationally televised and the Clippers, 
Pelicans, Lakers, Grizzlies, Bucks. So actually, maybe like eight out of those ten will be nationally televised because of just obviously how marky of a matchup they are. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm just glad we got this much disdain brought back to the league, especially between these two teams. They're two elite franchises. I won't say elite teams right now because Golden State's kind of floundering, but two Mm. elite franchises. 100%. We should see them in the playoffs. Like you said, we got more games of them this this, uh, regular season. Uh, It's great to see. And, you know, Ja is just built from – like I could – I don't think Ja will ever leave Memphis. I mean, it's hard to say right now. He feels like Giannis kind of. I mean, Year five, yeah. He feels like Memphis. He's he's the closest player – to me, I mean, I've compared him to MJ on here before, young MJ, but so do you he reminds me so much of Iverson. Just how much heart he has, how much heart he plays with, how hard he plays every game, uh, the way he attacks the rim. Derrick Rose-ish too, but like, the connection he has to the city of Memphis is much like AI had with Philly back in the day. So he reminds me much of Iverson, much of MJ too, just that build of Always wanted to win. Mm-hmm. You could throw Colby in there too. He fits the to win. He does. He does. He's he's perfect for Memphis. And uh, you know, weirdly enough, Memphis is kind of the the cultural center of hip hop right now, which is weird to say. But like, so you know, for them to have Jod, Moneybag, Yo, and Yo Gotti, and everything that's going on in Memphis, hip hop wise, Glorilla, all of them. I mean. I don't know. It feels certainly feels like something's brewing in Memphis and will continue yeah. to brew. I mean, you know, like I said, it's year what four? I think it's year five for Luca. So I think it's year four for Zion and Ja. Yep. And I mean, you know, it, it's hard not to say they're on the brink. You know, I mean, they're right there. It would not. I mean, you would expect Memphis to be in the conference finals this year. What else? Do they, they don't so, really need anything else. They've got the they've got the defense. <laughs> they got the big. They got the superstar. Especially with how Desmond Bain's been playing when he's been on hell when he's been healthy, he's coming along as that like second star, and then you got Jaron Jackson as that third option too. So like they've got they've pretty much got everything. Maybe another wing playmaker could like could benefit them. Just another guy, just kind of be able to if they need to get a bucket, kind of like how the. I don't even know really how like kind of how the Celtics have multiple like they when they got Malcolm Brogdon it was another guy to add on to smart Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum uh kind of uh, getting someone like that might help but at the same time like this team is good enough to get to the finals now yeah I can't wait to see uh what moves if any that we're gonna get here because it's about trade season you know once you hit December 15th and on it's trade season um, also, I wanted to just say sure. this: the Timberwolves, um, sixteen and nineteen, that Rudy Gobert trade is not looking like it's panning out so far. Obviously, there's so much season left that could turn around, and they could be fifty and thirty-two at the end of the season. But yeah, he just uh, uh, the Timberwolves are just the Timberwolves. Yeah, they're terrible. They're uh, they're not relevant. <laughs> I thought I thought they'd have I thought they'd have enough talent and and play, you know just enough quality players on the team to where they would maybe not fit well, but still be able to win. You know what I mean? And that's just not the case. Uh, That team's definitely going to be changing by the end of the year. And if not, definitely in the off season and Gobert probably would not be the one to go. So I would assume, you know, 
I would assume Towns would be the one to go because, you know, Gobert's value, I mean, he got traded. What he got traded for was way overpriced, so his value's now, like, in the tank. You know what mm. I mean? You can't you can't trade him for more, and you certainly can't trade him for less, I wouldn't think. Especially after so, a year. Yeah, and uh, that's, all, that's always been one of my pet peeves with franchises. When you've got a young core trying to accelerate that core by bringing in a vet, you know what I mean? I almost you know, like to ride it out. The Celtics did a mini version of this by bringing in Kyrie with the young guys and Gordon Hayward, but they were in their mid-20s, late-20s. Hayward probably was at that time, and he was a little different. It, that didn't work out for different reasons, but, you know, had they brought in someone like, shit, I don't know, say LeBron, you know what I mean? That That goes differently, and that's why LeBron, when he gets to the Cavs, try to get Wiggins instantly out of there for Kevin Love. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, it's, I don't know, it's always hard when you've got a good young core. I think the good franchises like the Celtics, like the Sixers, let it rise, you know? Uh, the Sixers had enough good young talent to where that Jimmy Butler trade really didn't hurt them. But I think that was another one where you could say, okay, they accelerated the timeline when they didn't need to. They probably had six or seven quality young players. Um but, I mean, that's all besides the point. I mean, you're right about the T-Wolves. Uh, the West is going to be interesting. Okay, the Lakers in every statistical category pretty much this year. I'm just, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just looking at it right now. It's just he's not – he as, as I thought, Rudy Gobert being there just makes everything more clogged. And, yes, he's a great three-point shooter, but, I mean, his three-point percentage went, has gone from 41 to 32. Like – the thing with like Carl Anthony Towns three point shooting per, like three point shot should be almost not like a luxury luxury but it should be something that like pick and pop situations it doesn't need to be just like him staying out there only as a spot up three point shooter like he's such a big guy with physical talent down low and with Rudy Gobert I just feel like that's almost taken away so at this yeah. point you build a you traded too much, as you just said. You traded too much for Rudy Gobert. You can't really get rid of him. You trade Carl Anthony Towns. You just build this thing around the old Ant Man. Like that's what you've got to do at this point, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's a good problem to have. Honestly, they do have talent there. You know, they still let D'Angelo Russell go. I mean, you know, if they you do trade pieces. someone away, they do yeah, have tradable if you, pieces. If you trade someone away, you still get enough talent back. But I mean, it's just. It's what NBA franchises tend to fall in love with, with the young core. You say, oh, we can win now, when maybe you should give it two or three more years and see how it rides out. Even and Atlanta's Towns is pretty- kind of the same thing, too. Yeah. And, you know, Atlanta's a different situation. They still got their young pieces. Murray still kind of fits their timeline. They yeah. still got moves to make. Um, but as the T-Wolves, and, you know, town shooting, it's kind of a small sample size because he got injured early on in the season, Yeah, it's been 21 so. games, so obviously that can, 21 games can skew things. But it's just, I've, just seeing it and seeing them a couple games this season, it just feels like they're just so clogged just because you have Anthony Edwards, obviously, who can shoot threes and he can get hot, but his best attributes are at the basket. You have Carl Anthony Towns, who obviously he's a very good three-point shooter, but he's great in the mid-range. He's got a very good uh, post-up game, high post. And then obviously you have Rudy Gobert, who's going to be just a under-the-basket kind of guy. So it kind of a lot of people within that 16 to 18 foot range. And since it's not the 80s anymore, that's just not going to get it done in the NBA. 
Yeah, and I'd say a lot of things, like one thing us fans do when it comes to basketball and football is, you know, like let's say Towns stays healthy and he doesn't get injured early in the season. You know, that gives them however many games to really figure it out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because very rarely do teams make that sort of move and instantly click, unless it is a perfect move. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Timetables have just completely changed. Yeah, and then you throw Towns' injury into it, you know, things aren't going to go as smoothly. And, you know, you're really at an uphill battle the entire way because there is talent on that team. Uh, and then you throw in a loaded West on top of that or or a competitive West, I should say. I won't say loaded, but, you know, there's legitimately 11, 12 quality teams in the West. Yeah. You know? So, you can't, you you can't know. take a night off because even the team like the Spurs or the Rockets can go give someone problems just for a night because they – I'll say the Spurs are just still well coached. The Rockets have a lot of young talent who can like Kevin Porter Jr.'s what like plays well. And so you really can't there's no nights off really in the NBA anymore. Like exactly. Every, everybody has like even the Hornets, I mean with LaMelo, they've got other pieces. Cade Cunningham's out for the Pistons, but they still are gonna play hard. Speaking of that, talk about that brawl if you want to, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> interesting. That was very Kill- interesting. Killian Hayes with a little little sucker punch to uh Mo oh. Wagner, Mo Wagner, but uh Mo Wagner Mo problems. Mo Wagner Mo problems. Celtics legend Mo Wagner. But hey, I mean like I said, I mean I I haven't watched as much NBA. I'm starting to get more and more into it now seeing full games. Uh but hey, this West is crazy. I mean, like I, I was going to say earlier, the Lakers they were really interesting, and then you got this AD injury, and AD's going to be out for quite a while. That's not good for their hopes. You're going to have Braun out there pretty much by himself, even though they do got quality players around them, but it's just not going to go the way they want it to go. And, you know, you really got to look at that top half of the West and what moves they're going to make in something that's wide open, uh, a conference that's wide open, I should say. And then you add on top of that the Webb and Yana sweepstakes and who's actually going to be selling you know for these teams who are kind of in the middle yeah we just don't know yet we really don't so i don't know i'm very interested to see what denver memphis as i said phoenix golden state all these teams dallas all these teams that have a chance or uh, or at least in that home court range uh what they're gonna do because uh there's there's not a lot of wiggle room between the wins and loss column you know what i mean no, there's not. I was to say, as we were talking about in the West, because obviously the Warriors are the ten, the Pelicans are the two, oh, the one, six games in between. So yeah. that that's between the first playoff. Uh, that's a one seed, and that's the last play-in team. And then in the East, uh, between Chicago and this Boston's nine. But if you go to six, between six and ten right now in the East is two games. So it's and between five and one's only three games in the loss column. So it's like. These game, these teams are. It's going to be a close race throughout the entirety of the season. So really, whatever what's right now, everything could shift. Really, the things that are going to be solidified is Boston and Brooklyn, Milwaukee will probably stay at the top, and then Denver and probably Memphis will stay at the top. That's about the only solidified things. After, yeah, I think after that, anything. Yeah, I think you really have four true contenders. Four true contenders in the East, for sure, with Boston, Milwaukee, 
Brooklyn, uh, and Philly. And then in the West, you know, like we said, Denver, Memphis, Phoenix. And then after that, who knows? I'll throw New Orleans in there. And then, you know, when Golden State can get right, you know, they're kind of a TBD. So you've got eight and a half true contenders right now. And mm-hmm. uh, and we still we still got trade season. We still got one Benyana season or, you know, trade season or tank season, I should say. So, I don't know. We got a lot of movement left in the NBA. It's great to see. I hate these refs this year. I say that every year, but these refs are terrible. Uh, throwing Jordan Poole out in the Christmas Day game. Handing out way too many texts in the Christmas Day game. And then, uh, we they saw just Kate. love to drop technical fouls now. Like they're, just, they're just soft. Incredibly soft. I saw a clip on YouTube of Charles Barkley. Someone was shooting a foul shot. And he said something really dramatic. He said, we're out here fighting for our lives, and you're calling bullshit. Fighting for our lives is pretty extreme. And then he called the ref an asshole. No tech, no warning from the ref. He just took it. And then he shot the foul shot, and they moved on to the next play. Uh, I saw a play earlier a few weeks ago where Tatum is clapping at someone on the Celtics. I don't know if it was Grant Williams, who it was. He's clapping at them to, you know, play better on defense. And the ref thought he was talking to him and teed up Tatum. Uh, I saw another terrible one a few weeks ago. I can't remember who it was, but the refs are just all over the fucking place. And this has been a growing problem, but they just get, you know, people talk about the league being soft. These refs are getting softer and softer by the the refs are kind of, the refs are part of why the league is soft. Like, I mean, not that they don't let them. They don't let the players play, and obviously, if you're going to be able to get away with certain fouls, then of course you're going to you're going to get you're going to take your biggest competitive advantage. If refs consistently didn't call like ticky tack fouls, if refs consistent like in the playoffs, like players still complain for calls, but they complain for calls less because they know in the playoffs it's a completely different game. Like, they, I'm sorry, I know exactly what it was. It was John Morant playfully John with a fan. And they threw him out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then, by the way, the fan was, I believe, a, a Memphis Grizzlies fan. Like, it wasn't even a fan of OKC. I could be wrong about that. But it was all in good nature. And then Luca the other night, has zero text, says some smart-ass comment to the ref, and the ref double-tees him instantly and throws him out. Uh, that's just terrible. That's terrible stuff. I, I can't stand it. Uh. You know, you gotta have room for bad blood. You gotta have room for players showing emotion in a high emotion game. You if just someone do. if someone gets punched on, like if you like, like last night, like like if someone just gets dunked on, it's now a followed by like you can almost book a technical because you're not to, like if I if I go over the top of you and I punch like you, you just you're gonna get stared down. I'm gonna stare you down. I'm gonna act like you were nothing. You are just small because you know that's what you're supposed to do. And now I can't even look at you, or I'm going to get a technical foul. All right, that's cool. Like, that's just soft. Like, I'm all, like in my head right now. I'm just thinking of Scotty over Patrick Ewing, and then just him walk right over him. Just walk right over him. Yeah, that'd be an instant tech. Right oh, that now. would be. A, he might get suspended a game. And even worse, even worse. This is what I hate about the refs. I say it'd be an instant tech on Scotty, but I feel like. That'd they would double just technical. double-tech it. That'd be a double-tech it. 
Just be just because Patrick Ewing was involved and then he kind of pushed Scotty off of him. Because he he retaliated a little bit, even though that's the proper that's fine, he would get a double technical just because the refs don't want to act like they're favoring one side or another. So it's like, yeah, let me just double T it. Like that this is dumb. Yeah, it's bad. The league, the league, or let me specify, the refs are incredibly soft. Too soft. Uh, Before we go to the NFL, let's obviously acknowledge Luca, his incredible performance. Uh, I look at my phone. I missed this whole game. I didn't, you know, happen to get back from work. And I look at my phone, and I had my phone's blowing up between you and a few other people and notifications about Luca's game. And I looked at it. This is how you know there's been – some players like James Harden, obviously LeBron, uh, Kobe when he was at his peak. Like I've, I think I've said this on the podcast. When Kobe got his 81-point game, yeah. I didn't even bat an eye at it. I remember it was, I want to say it was like the day before my birthday, I want to say. It was like January. It's it's late January, uh, around the same time he, uh, he unfortunately passed. But I remember coming back from January somewhere. January 22nd, 2006. Go on. Okay, so a week before my birthday, uh, I look, I see he scored 81 on what was ESPN News back in the day when they used to be 24-7 highlights. Yeah. And uh, I didn't even bat an eye at it because, you know, there was times where Kobe, I believe, averaged 40 for a whole month or damn near or certainly for at least two weeks. And then he had, the, like, then he had like 50 game, like 50 point stretch in like 06 or, 06 or 05 too. That was crazy. Yeah, he had... Every season from 2002 to pretty much up until they got Pau Gasol, he would go on these incredible scoring stretches. And, you know, I think that was the same season he had 61 or 62 in three quarters against the Mavericks. Uh, So when I saw he had 81, I was like, yeah, sounds about right. Uh, James Harden, I think it was 2016. He had a ridiculous triple double similar to Luka Doncic. He had a sixty and ten. Yeah. He was the only other sixty point triple double uh, ever, other than yeah. Luka. Yeah, and uh, you know, you just—they have such ridiculous numbers all the time. You kind of don't bat an eye at it. I will say, Jokic with his forty and twenty-seven, that that one did kind of catch my eye, just because you don't see when you usually see high rebounding numbers, you don't see the scoring to go with it. Especially and, and 10 assists to go along with that too. Let me just, just to throw yeah. that out there. Exactly. And that's within well, a week and a half of Luca doing the 60, 21 and 10. Mm-hmm. I didn't even bat an eye at it. And I didn't really, didn't really catch my attention until I realized the first ever, I was like, yo, you mean Wilt never did this? Yeah. That's when you know, it's incredibly rarefied air when Wilt Chamberlain isn't even in the, stat line with it because you know normally I mean? the conversation himself. is like uh besides will this has been the first time or first time since will or he joins will but he just joins he's in a class by himself now there's been no because i i didn't notice what he was doing and then i saw that luke was going off for 56 i was like wait a second they're going to ot i was like please let him get 60 and then i did some research afterwards because i was like has that ever been done not that I have heard of, but let me just check to make sure. And yeah, it had never been done, and he actually got to sixty, which amazing, absolutely amazing. One of and the greatest of things that, you'll see in sports. On top of that, they're down nine with like a minute to go, and from what I understand, thirty-five seconds. <laughs> yeah, he, he's making all the big shots in the flow of the game, so he's you know 
it wasn't not that you do get a stat padding 60 because that's rare but it's not like he they were down 10 points and he's just jacking them up adding to his total like no these were buckets they needed and then he gets that crazy play at the end of regulation where Mm. he catches the ball off the rim they didn't even come down with it and shoots it makes it ties the game then they go to ot has that wild celebration i hope his recovery beer was good yeah right yeah i hope that recovery beer was good i saw that uh i've said many times half in jest when i say this league's too easy for luca uh jamal crawford summed it up the best he says after the game he said luca plays against defenses the way an nba player would play like if he went to the park how you play in slow motion you're just kind of half giving a shit but you're still taking over you're still miles above that's what i mean when i say it's too easy because it really does like he's not he is not exerting himself to score if he's got someone smaller on him he's taking him to the rim and if a second guy comes he's dishing it and if not it's either a foul or a layup him and Jokic are the two people that do that in the league right now absolutely because like like you see jaw or you see other people sorry but they see Ja and you see other people like they're amazing. But like Ja's putting effort, Ja's putting a couple dribble moves together, hanging in the air, and he does it and makes it look effortless. But like Jokic, um, Luca, and the other one for me would be Kevin Durant. They just score so effortlessly, and it doesn't look like they're trying. Like it just looks Very like true. they're just moving. Like Kevin Durant goes gets thirty, but he doesn't look like he breaks a sweat because he'll just get the ball in the post, little jab step, one dribble, pull up, and it's like. Everything is at his pace, even more so with Luka and Jokic because they both like pretty much run the point and Durant's just really a small forward. But you're completely correct. You can go on with what you're saying. Here's the freakish thing about Luka, though, in comparison to Durant and Jokic. Durant does a lot of stuff off the catch, especially this year. Like He's not exerting himself with the ball a lot, right? For sure. Uh, which is even more incredible because that means he's not doing it on a ton of shot attempts. He's just either catching, shooting, getting and, it at his spot in the post. And the usage rate's not even as crazy high. Right, exactly. His usage rate ain't high. Jokic, in his case, he's a center, right? So mm-hmm. he's facing other 6'9", 6'10", 6'11", 7 feet dudes, right? Yeah. Uh, and even in Durant's case, no, your average player in the NBA can't guard Durant. I would say 99%. But you could at least throw Giannis at him. You could at least throw Wiggins at him. Tatum Maybe can see him. A little Tatum bit. a little bit. Jalen Brown. You got people who can see him a little bit, or at least bother him. Doncic, yeah. there is no wing who can guard Doncic because he's too big. And, you, you know, you can't. The only player I could really think of that would bother him is a player like LeBron if he's completely engaged. A healthy Kawhi. Maybe, yeah, Kawhi. And he was. T- and Doncic even then, I can't. I, I wasn't saying even then. I can't even like say that because I was gonna say he's. We've seen a healthy Kawhi try to guard Luca. It's been a problem. Honestly, three, a prime LeBron or like Giannis locked in. Exactly. Those the three players I was gonna say would be LeBron. Even now, LeBron just because he's got the weight. Even yeah. though he wouldn't be able to do it the whole game. For LeBron, sure. Ya- Giannis, who's again not gonna check in the whole game, or Draymond Green, who's got the body type to do mm-hmm. it. I was like, Luca played well, but like the Warriors did a decent job on Luca for that entire series last year. Like he, they was, took the yeah, I was gonna say they, they, I was what they pretty much was like, hey, we're gonna 
we're going to put a big body on you, bring help over, and then just make your shooters beat us. Essentially. But no, his game was absolutely, absolutely incredible. That 60, 21, and 10. 68% shooting, too. So it wasn't like he was just jacking up shots and they were like kind of going in, kind of not. And every shot mattered because when you went to overtime. So every shot mattered. The same thing as like Kobe's 81. Like they were playing, I believe that was only like a 12 or 14 point game. Like I'm pretty sure it was close the entire game until the end, if I remember correctly, on that Kobe 81. Sure. And, uh, you know, I just can't, I'm very interested to see how Luca's next two or three years looks because he's just going to continue to have these ridiculous stat lines. Even tonight, I think he had 34, 11, and 13. He had another triple double with a 30 plus point effort. He's averaging, I think, 33 and a half right now uh, on top of nine rebounds, nine assists. It reminds me, I mean, I wasn't alive for this, but the way I compared Ja to early 80s Jordan as far as like being electrifying and unbelievably athletic, I think Luca compares to early Mike as far as like his stat lines, you know? MJ averaged something like 37, 8, and 8 in the season or 32, 8, and 8. He was 32, 8, and 8, and the year before averaged 37 and a half. And it was like, wait a right. second. He was like, he did what it, that's for the people who say he couldn't pass. He averaged eight assists a few years, a couple, I think that year. And it's like, okay, yeah, I can do what I feel like doing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, Luca, he hasn't found his Scottie Pippen yet. You know what I mean? Uh, he's playing, granted, these are a bunch of talented guys, but he's playing with right now. I don't say this disrespectfully, but just guys. Like, even Christian Wood, who's, yeah, he's talented, but it's not going to be his long-term Pippen. So he's going to continue to have these wild style lines, and even in the, the postseason this year, I bet, if I had to bet, they're a first-round exit. I would also bet Luka averages something like 36, 7, and whatever. You know what I mean? It's going to be something ridiculous, for sure. Yeah. So I'm really interested who they bring in at some point while he's still young like if the dude's still under 25 that's insane and he's as i said this league's too damn easy for him so like who's going to be the guy who comes in who can help with production who's not having his usage rate be up near prime westbrook and prime harden area you know what i mean he's at like 37 percent right now yeah. i believe yeah he is 37.1 who's going to be that guy because it was kind of jalen brunson last year that's why i thought it was very crucial that they lost him and i didn't think this year was gonna go super smoothly he it is a, for always gonna have the ball in his hand but i just wonder what his perfect running mate looks like i really do his perfect running mate honestly would be a version of steph and clay like clay's would be perfect but i'm just thinking like if he had like a version of steph would be a perfect running mate i mean that's also perfect for everybody but I'm just saying the guy who doesn't need to have the ball all that much but can control the offense when needed. And or even like a Kyrie. A Ky- like, yeah. I was, the only thing with Kyrie is that... Yeah, yeah. Ky- a locked-in Kyrie. Yeah, that would work. I, I'm, just, I'm thinking of those kind of guys who can work well off the ball, but if you give them the ball, can go get you can go run an offense for five to 10 minutes, whatever they need. That's why I was thinking Steph, just because he obviously his usage rate isn't super duper high. Um, are we, I would say if we're moving to football, there's one quick thing I did want to say. Yeah. I didn't know this about Mike, 
Did you know Mike had a 69-point game? Yeah, versus the Cavs. Yeah, okay. So I did not I did not know that Mike had 69-18-6-4 in a game. Yeah, it's a stupid game. That's a stupid no, sound. No one ever talks about it. I've, I've never heard anything about it. I, I was obviously you hear about obviously his uh, sixty three in the garden. You hear about obviously you hear about a bunch of flu game, a uh, game six. You hear a bunch of bunch of games from Mike. I just I guess it just happened to blow by the sixty nine eighteen six and four. Just <laughs> <laughs> just just happened to blow by almost the sixty nine and eighteen came from Mike. Never knew about it. All right, we can move on. It's the same thing yeah, no, when I found Bill Russell had a 30-40 game in a game seven. I was like, wait a second, when did this happen? Why did I not know about this? Exactly. No, if you're a if you're a true like hoop head out there and you just want to like just go look at some of the greatest players in history, whether it's Mike, whether it's Kobe, whether it's LeBron, whether We're, it's We talked about the anybody. Pod, David Robinson's has some stat lines. <laughs> David Robinson, Durant, anybody, just go just go pick any game, whether it's regular season or playoffs during their prime, and just look at a stat line and see. You might just see something ridiculous, you know? And you yeah. chances are you will. I mean, that's what people are gonna look at years from now. You're gonna what the hell? Jokic put up a forty twenty seven, Luca put up a sixty twenty one ten. That's what it's like for you know all these players across history. And yeah. it's, it's interesting because yeah, you just you forget sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. It's always an interesting look back. But yeah, let's move on to football. It is getting late here. I mean, I'll say this quickly. We did this during the end of the Thursday night game. Cowboys won twenty-seven to thirteen. Titans played Joshua Dobbs instead of Malik Willis. Uh, signed him to their squad, I believe, this week. And uh, he put up two scores by the looks of it. But 27-13, Dallas. Um, Tennessee's going to be fighting for the life next week with that Jaguars game, especially if the Jags come out with a win this week. So I, I they, think if the Jags win, isn't it just over? I'm not sure. I think they can still... Because I, I know the, ja- the Jags will be a game up because there be, the t- Titans are now seven and nine. They were seven and three. They've lost six in a row. But um, so they would be seven and nine. The Jags would be eight and eight. I just thought the Jags' um, record was in the division was better. But let me just I can check that real Maybe. quick as you're going. on. I think if Tennessee would win next week, they'd still have some sort of chance. I could be wrong about yeah. that. I, it possibly could come down to they just have a better division record. If the Jags win, so oh, I'll check it right now though, just to make sure. But, but go on, and it's yeah. I mean, just everything I love about. I mean, I've said how much I dislike the eighteen-game season, just because you know sixteen-game records were perfect: eight and eight, nine and eight, seven and you know what I mean. You could, yeah. or sorry, not seven, seven and nine. You could. It was real distinct. Above five hundred, under five hundred, whatever. At five hundred, all this. But man, the eighteenth week adds all the chaos we love with the end of the NFL. Adds more to it, uh, and that's exactly what we're getting. You see, the Jags have a chance here. Uh, the bum ass Patriots still have a chance here after they again squandered a game last week. They're gonna get. I want to say a gift with Teddy Bridgewater because I almost like Bridgewater better than Tua, but that's just me. I'm a Bridgewater guy. No, but, it's uh, not. It's not a gift, but it is. It's a guy who hasn't been in football rhythm. 
but it's not a gift. Yeah, he's not going to kill you deep like Tua is. Granted, Tyreek Hill's going to find his way you know, to be eight yards ahead of a, a defensive back. So, I mean, yeah, I'm sure Bridgewater could hit that. But I believe, I mean, if we do picks after, I'll just get it out right here. I believe the Pats will win. But uh, we'll see. And you know what? I would have liked him in this game even with Tua, especially coming off his performance last week. Yeah. Just, I don't know. I mean, your opinion can almost change on these teams week to week. I didn't like what the Bengals did in the second half of that Pats game, letting them back. That was a terrible pick six by Joe Burrow. Yeah. Um. You know, the Ravens are really still hanging around. Even though you got that top three of the Bengals, Chiefs, and Bills, as we said last week. Uh, you know, we might have Lamar coming back this week. I mean, you know, and then you got the Jets last week. Bench Zach Wilson, they put in, who was probably their fourth stringer on their roster. Uh, you know, a, a, motor, uh, a, a mobile quarterback. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. even got the guy's name in front of me, but... I mean, so the Jets, you can almost all the way count out. They will have Mike White back this week, which is good. But, I mean, you know, coming off what looks like at least cracked ribs, probably broken ribs, who knows how effective he's going to be in this week's game. Uh, we just mentioned Tennessee and Jacksonville, that whole carousel right there. So you just – I really don't know what to expect these last two weeks of the season. I'm very – I am say I'm – I'm thoroughly excited because there's just so much change that can happen in the league right now. Um, just as a quick point of order, um, yes, the Titans are three and two in the divisions. The Jags will be three and two in the division if they win this week. So with a win this week, regardless, the Titans would be able to because they'd have the same record and they would have the better division record of four and two over three and three. So the Titans, with their uh, work in the division, have still set themselves up with a win this week. Next week, they're in the playoffs. I don't think it'll happen, but that is me. Yeah, there's just a lot. And I mean, the Commanders, they might be changing to Wentz. Wentz got some action last game. I think they already... I think they stated that he is a starter. To be did honest, they? Yeah. I think they did. Uh, even the Eagles got some injury issues with Lane Johnson. Obviously, with Jalen Hurts, we don't know if he's playing yet this week. Yeah, he's named the starter. Is. is he? Yeah. Well, that's good news for them. Um, yeah, just a lot of questions here. I mean, you can't if you're a Bucks fan, you cannot like how they looked against the Cardinals last week. Uh, Here's the thing. They get they they win this week. They've solidified a playoff spot, and they can have a, a, a bye week essentially. Like, and that's the thing In about it. it. No, I was gonna say they don't have to really play week eighteen because they'll already clinch the division. And they're again, they're not good, but they stick around. And they're good for the last five minutes of games. That's why with them, their defense has been good enough this year. And if you don't blow them out, they can beat you. I mean, obviously, that's like every bum saying, like, if you don't blow them out, there's a good chance they'll win the game. If you're going to beat them, just beat them through three quarters and blow them out and don't even let them hang around. I don't think if a good team were to let them stay around, I don't think that good team would let the Bucks beat them. I mean, even a lot of the Bucks wins here are Fugazi. I mean, that Cardinals game was atrocious. The Cardinals had no business. If that's a good team, which the Bucks are not, I don't think the Cardinals are in that game. I mean, shit. Even the Patriots beat the Cardinals by two touchdowns. Granted, that was without Kyler, but as was this game. You know, so 
I don't take the Bucks any sort of seriously. I almost like the Giants better than them at this point. Uh, you know, I was gonna give. I expected the Bucks. Truly, I expected the Bucks to at least beat the Cards by ten. I thought that'd be at least a game where they can get their shit together. But now, I mean, they're only favored by three against the Panthers, who you really don't know what you're getting week to week from them. But they put damn near three hundred on the lines in the first half, just rushing the ball. Yeah, no, there was Lions were the hottest team in the league. Now they're they're damn near out of it. You know, Packers still got life now. Like, I don't know. I would not be surprised to see the Bucks lose this week. Um, I've heard a lot of Cowboys fans joke like, "Oh, we're gonna get the Bucks that first wild card weekend and lose the Bucks." I don't think there's any way on earth that happens. I don't. I think I think the Cowboys would clean the Bucks up even with their week one. Which you know seems they like an should. eternity. Though. They very much should. <laughs> they uh, very much see, should. I don't see. Look, there's still a chance the Bucks don't make the playoffs. They probably will. But I mean, this season's just been terrible. Terrible. Uh, I can't stand watching them. They're incredibly ugly to watch, and that's coming from a Patriots fan where their offense looks incredibly ugly to watch. They're they're, so. they're okay to watch. They're cool to watch for about five minutes a game. They find they find five minutes to ten minutes in a game where you can be like, oh, that's a pretty good offense. That's it. Like against the Bengals, obviously it was the first half. They had a few drives together against like the Cardinals, against the Rams, against those teams. It's like the last drive or two of the game because it's close. It's like, oh, okay, that team can throw up. Like team can actually move the ball a little bit. Other than that, no. For and sitting down and enjoying a Bucks game, it's not something you typically do. <laughs> sitting down and like they're like from wire to wire watching it and be like ah man that was a fun game I don't really come out of it it's like ah wow that was a sore but they managed to win half of them quick question before you before yeah. we do this place right here uh what's our record after last week so we didn't even post our picks but i know we still submitted them yes. so to speak you know what i mean after last week, I am one forty six ninety and two. I had a twelve and four week. You are one fifty one eighty four and three. You went ten five and one because you did have the uh, Saints game in a tie with the Browns. So, <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, the sixteen to sixteen tie. So yeah, I am five. I'm six games back of you in the loss column with two weeks left to go. And gave you a loss right there with the tie, but I truly could not predict it, and uh, would not have been surprised if there was a tie there. But yeah, Saints pulled it out, so I took the L right there. Uh, but uh, so just drop. So we'll uh, I'll be on the lookout for that after this podcast. Uh, by the way, wait, what just dropped? New music in general, like oh, it's yeah, okay, seven. Uh, by the way, be on the lookout for our year end. Music. I don't want to call it a review, but uh, our year-end music appreciation. We'll call it appreciation. Uh, yo, let's get to these picks. All right. And uh, yeah, get something set in stone here. Let's start with the Thursday night game. Like I said, the Cowboys won twenty-seven to thirteen. Titans lost. Tannehill. He was playing the injured reserve today, I believe. Actually. Uh, I could think it's safe to say, Keenan, we both would have picked the Cowboys tonight. I did pick it. There was a zero percent chance that oh, we were gonna pick Tennessee. I'm, so yeah. I guess we could put down one and zero for that. But uh, Panthers and Bucks, as I mentioned last week, Panthers ran all over the Lions uh, after a pretty putrid performance against the Steelers. 
They ran all over the Lions, one of the hottest teams in the league. Now they're coming in, playing at Tampa Bay. Uh, a very winnable game for Carolina. I'm picking Carolina in this game strictly for chaos. Uh, I truly could not with confidence even pick Tampa Bay, honestly. Uh, obviously, they're favored, but I'm going to go Carolina 21-17. Matter of fact, give me a whole touchdown, 24-17. Oh, okay. So I have I have Tampa 21-17 to in this game. So I had to write, I wrote that down prior to you. Um, I just don't see Tom Brady losing to this Carolina team twice. I just can't see it. I, again, I can. I, again, I don't. It depends on what Carolina team show up shows up. Also depends on what Bucks team shows up. I just, I think that, I think they found something in a little bit in the way they're using Lenny and Rashad White last week. Because they did actually run the ball well. That was the one silver lining that they had. And Chris Godwin has been their number one receiver because him and Mike Evans can't seem to get on the same page. So I see a lot of Chris Godwin, Fournette, Rashad White. They pull out an ugly one. I think both teams aren't great. So it's kind of just the Tampa's at home. Kind of you lean them there. But again, they could easily lose this game. And I wouldn't be thoroughly shocked. Let me say this. All seasons prior to this season, it was Tom Brady. Now, we got divorced dad Brady. That's what it is at this point. So we got divorced Brady. We got we got divorced dad Brady versus the Panthers going into the postseason potentially. So uh I mean just just not as surefire of a bet as Tom Brady once was. Divorced dad Brady. Let's face it, he's more concerned about his kids and his ex-wife probably at this point and, and finances and what his offseason is going to look like than he is the football season. But as everyone very well knows, uh, playoff Tom Brady is a thing. Not that he's actually, I mean, regular season Tom Brady statistically is better, but playoff Tom Brady's always going to find a way. So... Even as I'm saying that, I don't really believe that because I think this team is dog shit. But, hey, Tom Brady in the playoffs is a thing. But, hey, I think they lose this game. Like you said, neither of these teams is anything great. But we'll see. We will see. Uh, next game we got is the Browns at the Commanders. Uh, I just called Tom Brady, divorced dad Brady. Deshaun Watson, I'm going to just call him Sean Watson now because, I mean, like, he's just a shell of himself. You know what I mean? Like, he's just... Which you would expect because it's been damn near two years off for him. But uh, he is ridiculously rusty. The Commanders are a point and a half favorite at home over the Browns. I'm personally going to take the Commanders and Carson Wentz over the Browns. Uh, same score, 24-17. Oh, man. You know what? Leaning, I'm going with it. I think Cleveland's going to run the ball. I think Cleveland's going to win this game of the likes of 24 to 23. Again, not confident in it, but I'm not confident on either side. Would have loved that last week. I would have, uh, I'd possibly be playing in the championship game right now, but I am fighting for third place this week. <sighs> yeah, I don't I've had, Okay, quick little just pause. Um, in, 
fantasy league because Mike Evans can't catch a ball and DeAndre Hopkins couldn't catch a ball at all and TJ Hawkinson decided to have one of the best games for a tight end of the season of literally second to his game probably I lost to and Travis Kelsey had a game but I lost in my work league I lost to Ira the week before in my the league with my friends that came down here but in Austin's uh in Austin's league with his family and a couple friends I did make the championship in that game and he has no I believe Derrick Henry or Jalen Hurts so there should be zero reason why I don't come home with the number one for with a championship this year in fantasy well good luck to you hopefully I appreciate it hopefully I clean the bronze medal in my inaugural season as a fantasy football participant so uh you know like i said we we climbed into the playoffs via the waiver wire chubb has given me nothing uh a lot of the second half of the year uh but i hope to win uh shouts to my fantasy league by the way we don't really have a league name but shouts to my fantasy league shouts to do shouts to everybody out there uh shouts to the number one seed in our league I don't know this brother. His name is Angel. Maybe it's on hell. I really, I've never talked to this guy in my life, but he's undefeated. He's 14 and 0. Uh, he's currently down 0 to 32.60 in this league against the sixth seed. I'm going to assume he comes back and wins and runs the table. Uh, just freakish stuff, really. I don't know how the fuck this guy ended up with the team he's got, but you can't hate. You just got to give him props because, yeah, 14 and 0, looking at 15 and 0. Uh, Shouts to Glock O'Clock, trying to get that upset, trying to be the uh, 07 Giants. We will see. We will see. This is unprecedented stuff here. Can't wait for the league next year. Uh, as we mentioned on this last podcast, Keenan, I'm going to try to strong arm my way into your league next year and be, uh, you know, then try to be a double champ in these leagues next year. We will see. As I say, Joe did win in his first year in the league, so it is possible to win in the first year in the league. We'll see. I just want to shake shit up in your league, really. I just want to... I don't know. It seems like, you know, trades actually go on in your league. Not one trade happened in this league, which is cool because this league was still competitive despite, uh, you know, 14-0 and 0 over there. But this was a competitive league. I do want to get in your league where trades do happen, wild trades happen. Trades so I mean, do happen, wild trades do happen. You would come... Um, there is a draft weekend. It's not just like a day where we go to a go to a location, have fun with friends. It's a it's a good time, and obviously, you know Timmy, you know Ira, you know Austin, you know Joe Dezazzo, Clearly, if you were to join, it'd be Shannon Quinn. You know him. Like you pretty much know every single person in the league, and the pe- people that you don't know are still cool enough that you'd be fine. Yeah, your, your entire yeah, fuck all, fuck all of them. I'm coming for I'm coming for the top spot. So. Like, <laughs> Fuck well, them all. Well, <laughs> I mean, and you could also be part of the league reviews I do every week, so that'd be cool too. <laughs> Excuse me, what? I I do um just because uh Camden had asked me to do it like oh that's ago. right you do your you do your league review I do podcast. like a weekly review kind of like ranking our teams and kind of things just because I'm a child and have fun with that kind of stuff. So listen, I'll <laughs> just join the league just to talk shit to Camden. That alone. Oh, absolutely. That I mean, it's it, it absolutely. I mean, he's. He did have a team name. I'm better than Keenan one year. <laughs> like, that was his team name actually for a couple years. But we can gotta go get on. my guy. Gotta get my guy Cam back on the pod. Actually, yeah. But uh, let's keep going with these picks here. Saints at Eagles. Six and a half point favorite are the Eagles at home. Thirty-one twenty. I got the Eagles winning this week. 
31 to 20. I've got mine more like like 27 to 17 Eagles. Not much else to say. They're just better. Regardless of QB. Cardinals, Falcons. I don't think either team gets to 20. I got the Falcons winning 17 to 14. Uh, uh, what's the spread on this one? Sorry, three points for the Falcons. Minus three. So standard. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have 19 to 13 Cardinals. Or not Cardinals, sorry, Falcons. I, I Next, we got the Jags. Sorry, we got the Jags favored by four on the road against the Texans. Texans. Statistically, the worst team in the league as far as wins, but one of the more frisky teams in the league, if you want to call them that. Uh, they're doing a platoon swap with Driscoll and Mills, and it's working for them. Very weird team, but uh, you know the future is weirdly bright in the Texans because that's how the NFL works. You can have a shitty team, but as long as you get talent, you're always a piece away. You're always a coach away. Uh, I see this being a close game. I see the Jags winning. I'm going to call it low-scoring-ish. Call it 23-20 field goal game. Jags over the Texans. I got this game 29-24 Jags. I think Trevor Lawrence continues his second-half brilliance. A week ago, I would have picked the Lions in this game going away. Now I'm not sure they have. I mean, they still probably have an outside chance, right? Yeah, if they win the next two games, they're pretty much in. Really? Yeah. All right. And yeah, they still got the. I think the they commander. may need. They might need a Seahawks loss, but also at the same time, I think they might have it over the Seahawks. I don't know. It's pretty much, pretty much. If they win the next two, there's a good shot that they're in. And if the Packers, because of the Packers and the Lions win, they're pretty much playing for that last playoff spot. Hmm. Week eighteen. Well, look, the Panthers ran all over them. Yeah, as we stated prior. That's the bare strength right here. Fields could have a field day, no pun intended, but Fields could have a field day against this defense. Uh, I really don't know what to expect out of this game. The Lions are a six-point favorite. Give me the Bears in this game. (laughs) That feels bad. I was all in on this Lions team. All it took for them was to lose once, but give me the Bears this week. And uh, Gene Olette special. Shout out to Gene Olette. Ain't seen you in a minute. Hope everything's good, Gene. Uh, 27-23 Bears over the Lions. Uh, sorry, I didn't catch the spread for this game. What was it? What did you say for it? Six points. Six points. Thanks. Lions by six. Yeah. Um, I have Detroit. They play much better at home than they do on the road. I've got this game, though, in a fun 34-31 to 31 game. I got Detroit winning. I've already tipped my hand on this game. It's the Dolphins at the Patriots. Patriots are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to keep it right in the zone. I've had a lot of these games. I'm going to say 24 to 20 New England. Yeah, I I think New England wins, especially when I heard the news that two was out. I think that New England's going to win this game. As we said, Teddy Bridgewater's no slouch. But I've got this game in the 23 to 19 range. We normally split with the Dolphins. We haven't got one yet. Yeah, I hope two was in good health. He suffered his third concussion. Yeah, uh, of course, he suffered two within a week. It might have even been a, it was a four day span, yeah. actually. I believe. Yeah, Sunday, Sunday night, Thursday. Thursday. Uh, so hopefully he's good. That could be potentially season ending, low key. That you know, be, three, that might three concussions, career ending. Like it, like it came border long to career ending if these concussions continue to be a problem. And like, yes, and for him, obviously, he's been. 
a little side, a little side thing. Obviously, he's been played a very good. He's played a very good season as of late. He's kind of tapered off a little bit, but definitely showed that he's a viable starting quarterback in the league. Where I know that was questions for some if he really could be. He's shown that he is, and hopefully everything's in good health for him. But honestly, if it had to come down to it, I would. If it had to, like kind of like Chris Borland did when he retired because of his Luke Keekley retired at twenty eight because of concussions, and he was or twenty nine, I believe. And obviously he was one of the best middle linebackers in the league for half a decade. Like it's, these concussions are serious things. So I just hope that he's not pushing and not putting that off the table when putting his health at number one over anything. So, but yeah, Borland was definitely a shot because I think he played, if played, not all season, most that season, you know what I mean? He was, yeah, no, he, he just was came out of nowhere, yeah. but like he, he did it. I was going to say it was smart. Like obviously if he's, he's playing definitely one of the most, highly uh, vulnerable positions to con- concussions at middle linebacker, having to meet running backs in the hole, going, having to be a hard hitter every single play. So as I say, if that was his choice, and I can't blame him, even though he was poised to be a phenomenal middle linebacker for years to come. Him and Pat, um, Fred Warner would have been a beautiful tandem, but we can move on. Uh, yeah, you were being nice when you said two was tapered off. He had three fourth quarter interceptions against the Packers. He might have been week. concussed in that game, honestly. Very true. That's also very true. Uh, I really but, wanted but, to but still, yeah, hundred percent. I was very looking forward to uh, embarrassing the Dolphins on on the offensive end this week. I was really looking forward to it. I'm sure Tyreek Hill would have got one on us even with Tua in. Of course, but I was really looking forward to what this defense would have looked like against this Dolphins offense. Uh, yeah. Patricia kind of woke up in the second half. I'll admit it got to 22-0. You know, granted, these are Christmas Eve games. I switched it from the game to Red Zone on the main TV and uh, was damn near done with the game. Then Burrow throws the pick six. I flip back. Patricia seemed to have woken up. They had that crazy Hail Mary play on a third and 29, I believe. Yeah. Where a guy who I didn't even know was on our roster tips it to uh, – to Kendrick Bourne, I believe, for the touchdown on a third 29 Hail Mary. A Hail Mary we could have used against the Raiders. Uh, but nonetheless, we lose that game when Ramondre gets his first fumble of the season at the three-yard line. Some would argue forward progress. I actually didn't see it that way, even though most people would. Even Belichick argued against that. But, uh, yeah, I thought thought it was a fumble and, you know, just another pathetic loss. But all having said all that, I do think we win this week. And uh, we have Buffalo in Week 18, which is not what you want to see if you're a Patriots fan. But I do believe we win this game. Uh, next, we got the Broncos at the Chiefs. Chiefs are a 12.5-point favorite. I don't think they cover, but I do think they win by 10. So uh, Chiefs 30. No, that's way too much respect for the Broncos. <laughs> you know what? They're definitely – you know what? <laughs> Sorry, the I'm Chiefs have not been Chiefs have not been really covering on like um, those high spreads this year, so that's kind of it's like up in the air. But yeah, go on. The Broncos are a dumpster fire. They did just fire Nathaniel Hackett, long overdue. Uh, see ya, I guess you know uh, Russ obviously had. I mean, that was just I didn't catch a single second of that game. But what was it, fifty-one to fourteen? Yeah, no, it was just it was not good. If you told me they came out firing as it often happens with an interim head coach i believe you if you told me they were like yeah fuck the season and it's even worse than last week i'd even believe that uh 
I'll, yeah, I'll just go with my original score, even though I can't see them scoring 20. We'll say 30 to 20. Yeah, so most of the time, like when you, like the Panthers came out and they beat the uh, Bucks 21 to 3 after them firing, and then they traded <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. It Russell Wilson's the problem, so I you can't you didn't fire Russell Wilson, so he's there. Um, it's thirty one to seventeen, and I'm give actually sorry, whoops, my bad, thirty one to sixteen because we don't bet them over seventeen. Uh, thirty one to sixteen, KC, <laughs> and it might not be to sixteen. Honestly, I don't. Uh, yeah, this team's next. Not we good. got yeah, they they're trash. Not good. Next, we got the Colts at the Giants. This Giants team is the weirdest team in the league to me. Uh, this Colts they team have, up there too. <laughs> yeah, true, <laughs> true. Well, they're literally, they're literally weird with Jeff Saturday as their coach, and and now they got Nick Foles who doesn't even want to move in the oh pocket as their starting quarterback. I, I don't uh, know about you, Kyle, but I watched a few of those plays. I was like, this is the same guy who beat us in the Super Bowl, and I was so thoroughly. I understand it was five years ago, but I was so upset. I was like, this is this, this is a guy. Hey, who was who was our defensive coordinator? Oh, Matt. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Pencil pusher. Exactly. That's that's <laughs> the only answer. That's the only answer I could give. That's the only answer I could give. Uh, the Giants are a five and a half point favorite at home against the Colts. Uh, this Giants team has no talent. Yeah, I I love them. I actually like what Daniel Jones has looked like the last two weeks. Uh, I've got more faith in them over the last two weeks than I did three weeks ago. I said at Thanksgiving time that the commanders would leapfrog the Giants and take their spot. They might both make it, but here's one thing for sure. The Giants are improbably, in my opinion, improbably, not really, I guess, because they earned it against the commanders, but the Giants are going to be in, and they're definitely going to be in after they win this game against the Colts. I'm going to give them 23-12 to over the Colts. Yeah, they would say they're making the playoffs easily. Saquon's had a great bounce back year, one of the comeback players of the year, and I'm gonna probably I'll go with twenty seven to twenty. I'll give him twenty. I don't know why, but I'll give him twenty. Give him Foles twenty. I'm I'm giving him twenty. They'll, they'll figure out. Actually, wait, no, Jonathan Taylor's not playing. What am I talking about? Never mind. Uh, twenty seven to thirteen. <laughs> My bad, <laughs> John. I'm not giving. T- the Zach Moss led Colts. They're good. Sneaky good game right here. We got the Jets with Mike White returning at the Seahawks. Jets are a point and a half favorite in Seattle. Notoriously tough place to play is Seattle in the 12th minute. Seattle absolutely needs a win. I'm sure, or I'm positive they'd rather be facing Zach Wilson or their fourth stringer. Again, I apologize. I don't know your name. I don't feel like Googling it, so I'm not going to Google it. So, you know, they got Mike White, who is good, who is competent. Can he win what's basically going to be a playoff game in one of the toughest places to play in the entire NFL? Remains to be seen. I'm picking against the Jets this week. We're going to go Seahawks, who have not looked great, admittedly. Keep it in the zone. I've kept a lot of these games. 23-20 Seahawks. I actually have the Jets pulling this one out. If it was Zach Wilson, you could book Seattle would win it. But I do like Mike White. Uh, I got it 24 to 21. New York Jets. God, Zach Wilson's so bad. I got it 24 21. New York Jets. 
He's terrible. He's absolutely terrible. He's just not good. And speaking of terrible, the Niners at the Vegas oh Raiders. Oh, my God. They got the Jared Stidham experience. Oh, buddy. We've been there. <laughs> I don't actually know how this happened. Um, Carr got benched for Jared Stidham, which I don't know why. I once called Jared Stidham Jason Statham on this podcast. <laughs> if you want to go and find that from the 2020 archives, go ahead. Uh Oh man, that's how that's how relevant Jared Stidham is to uh, or Jared Stidham, whatever fuck his name is. That's how relevant he is to the NFL. Would you take Derek, his, uh, Would you take Derek Carr on the Patriots next year? Yeah, I mean, I'm just well, curious. I'm just curious. I, yes, I would. I, I I did see this floating around like a Mac for Derek Carr trade. Yeah, I'll take Derek Carr in a heartbeat. I really would. I would. Uh, I do think. Mac's got a shitty hand dealt with. I mean, he's got... I'll repeat this again. Matt Patricia was terrible as a defensive coordinator. He was terrible as a head coach. And he's been terrible as an offensive coordinator. Well, I was just saying, well, here's the <laughs> what thing. Does, <laughs> what does this guy bring to the football team? So, yeah, I think Mac's been dealt as shitty of a hand as you could be dealt. So, I would like to personally see at least eight games of Mac next year. And if we had, say, Bill O'Brien, which has been floated around... That's fine. I'm good with that. Come if it's that. Bill O'Brien next year and Mac is just not producing, sure, get someone else in there. Put Bailey Zabby in there for all I care. I don't care. But I feel like he's truly been dealt a shitty hand this year. Uh, I never want to see Matt Patricia again after next week. If we happen to make it to the playoffs, I never want to see him again after the Super Bowl. Just kidding. But, uh, no, I never want to see Matt Patricia again on a Patriots sideline ever. I don't want to see him. Don't put him in a front office role. Don't put this guy anywhere. Get him. Just get him to the rocket scientist program he was supposed to be in before he became a somehow a football head coach. Get this guy the fuck out of here. Well, here's the thing. Okay, he's not good. His calling card is defense, correct? Like we all we all understand. His calling card is defense. Sure. He was no. He was bad at that. He was not a good defensive coach. Obviously, the Patriots' defense were great, but when you have the greatest defensive mind as your head coach, you don't have to do much. So when you you're have up two scores every game, you don't got to do yeah, much. I was gonna say when you so you have the you have that you're not a great defensive coordinator. You go to being a head coach. You are not a good head coach. So what do we do? put you in a new position that you're already not good with as and that's coaching and we'll make it offense which you've never done why bill belichick thought that that was going to be the smart route the brain trust in new england on that move needs to be questioned anyway we can move on to this vegas 49ers game <laughs> which is gonna be a route <laughs> yeah i mean let me two things a i don't know I mean, I do know how I mean, we're talking about Stidham and Carl, but we went, we pivoted from 49ers Raiders to uh, to a Matt Patricia, you know, burn session, I guess. Or we're or, the Matt Patricia or, hate podcast at this point. Like it's all right, <laughs> he's garbage, but we can go but, on. One could say, Kyle, what the fuck are you doing with your life to where you can trash Matt Patricia? who is a coach in the NFL and like we said held three different jobs and more I'm sure I'm sure he's been an offensive line coach whatever the fuck he's done he's held jobs in the NFL Kyle how how are you capable we just said this guy was a terrible coordinator terrible on both sides of the ball offense and defense and a terrible head coach 
This guy is deserving of every bit of the scrutiny he's got. Nick Foles throw all over the yard on him. 41 uh, whole points. He ruined a Tom Brady 505-yard masterpiece. We can continue. <laughs> yeah, he, like literally presented no... No threat at all to Nick Foles. Granted, Nick Foles randomly caught fire in the regular season and then randomly caught fire in that postseason that year. Uh, two separate occasions. One of the weirdest careers you'll ever see. Whatever. He I'm had still a 27 to 2 touchdown year, too. Like, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking and about. A seven, that, touchdown, that season, seven touchdown game. Like, it, it was just like, wait, what? I believe he took over from Mike Vick that year. And yeah, it just yeah. came out of nowhere. Caught fire that year and then caught fire that postseason and yeah the rest is history yeah and then doug peterson gets a statue but back to this game niners nine and a half point favorite at vegas at a super low <laughs> and i do think they cover uh i'll give them 27 to 13 over the raiders instead of me doing shit yeah their run defense is very good i can 27 to 13 i don't think they can reach 10 so I'm gonna have this game like 24 to seven. I don't. I will say they do have a lot of offensive talent. No, they, they do have a lot of offensive talent. I guess. So I mean, unless Jared Stidham's looks a little different than the last time I saw him, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. If he get above, if they get above 14, I'll be impressed against this defense. I'll be impressed. Uh, this is one of the more interesting games of the week. Vikings at the Packers. The Packers are a three point favorite. That's uh, that's nice to me. That's really nice for the Packers because, man, this Vikings team keeps getting disrespected. Yeah, the Packers look a little better than before, but they don't look great. And I think this Vikings team, as we've said many times, they're not anything great on defense. But I do think this is a good team. They do pose some sort of threat in the postseason. Uh, I'm going to roll with the Vikings here. 28-24. Vikings over the pack that'll squander the pack's chances and then uh and we'll see after that I kind of hope the Packers do win but I just don't see it I do have the Packers winning the Vikings can't beat uh the Vikings can't beat teams like by in blowout fashion they just don't know how to do it uh this game's going to be close if it's close I do trust um Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau I've got this game 27-23 Green Bay. The health of Christian Watson is going to be a key thing to watch. One of the weirder teams down the stretch because they're winning ugly. They're winning defensively, and they got such a talented team all over, and that's the Chargers. They are facing the Rams. They're at home, technically. I guess both teams would be at home, but it's in the Chargers stadium. They're a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I'm going to go with the Chargers here, 23. And by the way, Baker looks really good for the Rams. What a weird season that is. I think this is going to be a competitive game. I think the Rams cover on their side. Uh, 23-20 field goal game in L.A. I have this game 27-20 Chargers. Uh, I do like how Baker's looking with Sean McVay. I think he's found a – if he can be a backup there, he might find a permanent home, which would be good for him. But uh, I got Chargers are just too good. A permanent home made him sound like a an adopted kid or an adopted puppy. Baker Mayfield. Uh, next, this is a good game. We don't know if Lamar's going to play right now. It does not look like he's going to play. Uh, Steelers at Ravens. 
the quest to see if Tomlin can go above 500. Uh, two and a half point favorite are the Ravens. This is going to be a field goal game. This is going to be an ugly game. I'm going to roll with the Ravens. Let's say 18 to 16. Like so it. Ravens win on a field goal, I'll say. Not necessarily a field goal game. Yeah, I've got this game. It's going to be Ravens 23-20. I think this game's going to be a Justin Tucker game. Next, we got the Bills. This is the game of the week right here. Monday night, Bills at Bengals. Bills are favored by a point and a half on the road in Cincy. Which I don't understand that, but that's okay. I do because I'm rolling with the Bills. Give me the Bills 27-22. to 22. I think this game is going to be one of the best games of the regular season. I have this game kind of looking like the Chiefs-Bengals did last season in the regular season at the end of the year. And it's going to be Cincinnati winning a 35-31 to game. 35-31. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. I can't wait to see it. Uh, both teams, I mean, the Bengals don't necessarily need it. I kind of hope the Bengals lose because... You know, that would make that week 18 game more important. And that would save us from getting Jacksonville, Tennessee as a Sunday night game, potentially. Yeah. I'd rather see Bengals, Ravens in that spot, maybe a Lamar comeback game. Uh, but I do think the Bills will win this game. And I, you know, again, I said it last week, the Bills might not be playing their best football, but they're on, what, a four-game win streak right they're now? They're on a six-game win streak. The Bengals are on a Six seven. Game. Yeah. So you have two. You have two of the. You have the two hottest teams in the AFC playing right now, and then obviously the 49ers have won eight in a row. But you have the two hottest teams in the AFC playing right now. And let me say this about the Bengals: a gift of a game they won at New England. They should have lost that game. They should have lost that game. Uh, But they won. Uh, They put up a putrid second half. But I'm rolling with the Bills, and yeah, I think they get to seven straight. Then they'll go possibly the eighth straight at New England, wherever that game is, whatever. Because uh, we played in Buffalo last game, right? Or is that going to be at Buffalo next week? I think it's It's in, at Buffalo. It is Buffalo, at Buffalo. Yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah. Yeah, Patriots. <laughs> yeah, I think, the Patriots, <laughs> I think the Patriots win this week and then, yeah, lose against Buffalo. But we can save that for next week. But, yeah, I think uh, so, Buffalo wins this game. I do. Well, we need and to hope for... Great what we sorry. What we need to hope for as Patriots fans is that the Bills win. That's if Dolphins continue to lose. No, the Bills win and the Chiefs lose. Because if that's the case, then the Bills had locked up the one seed. Not that that's going to happen. I don't think the Chiefs are losing to Denver. But if that was to happen, then they could rest out Josh Allen, and that would be a better option for us to win. The only thing, and I mean the only thing we have going for us, if we really do want to see this bum-ass team with Matt Patricia in the playoffs, is the Broncos got rid of Nathaniel Hackett. That's one. And two would be the last time the Broncos played the Chiefs, it was like the best Russell Wilson had looked until he got knocked out of the game. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's literally it that we have going for us. I don't see the Chiefs losing. It's in KC, so that's <laughs> that's gonna be currents. <laughs> the, the, exactly. the game's already over. You can just put in the loss. The game's over. Oh goodness. Yeah. Who knows? Uh yeah, me and Keenan will be back very soon. You will see this podcast along with 
our year-end music appreciation podcast uh, probably within a day apart. Um, but yeah, looking very much looking forward to that. Looking forward to the games this weekend. Uh, and then the NBA, especially once we get past January or the end of January, we'll, we will really be in the heart of that season. So yeah. uh, that thing's cooking up all over the place. Best time of year for the NFL. Uh, these are basically mini playoff games, which you're seeing since Thanksgiving into this week. And then, of course, week 18. Can't wait. Keenan, great talking to you. I will well. be talking to you again tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I will talk to you soon, very soon. And, uh, you know, interested to hear what music takes, what music opinions, et cetera, et cetera, that I hear later on. So uh, get some rest. I will talk to you later. Great pot. Yeah, you too. You have a good one.